Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. I'm Peter Jones, Chancellor Surveyor, author, and property investor, and this is the Progressive Property Podcast. And what I want to talk about today is planning your year ahead from a property perspective. Now, I could have given it a really sexy title, like Plan Success for 2018, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to give you the nuts and bolts of what I think you need to be thinking about going into the new year to make sure that your new year is successful. Now, if like me, you've read all the books on motivation and self-development, you've probably heard people saying things like, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, and all that kind of good stuff. It's a bit trite, but it's absolutely true. And one of the things which I suppose I woke up to maybe sort of 20, 25 years ago is the power of actually planning not just your business life, but your life in general. And we'll be thinking about that as we go through this podcast. So before we start, let me just say that if you're driving, do listen to this and do think about the things that I'm going to be saying as, as I go through this. But make time in your diary to come back to this podcast when you're not driving and grab a piece of paper and a pen and make some notes. If you'd already just sat there listening to this, maybe having a cup of coffee and a biscuit, grab a piece of paper and a pen and make some notes and start actually planning your success for the new year because it will make such a big difference. And this is the time of year, isn't it, when we're, we're thinking about this kind of stuff anyway, you know. New Year's resolutions. Now, just to have a little bit of a rant, I actually hate New Year's resolutions. Why do I hate New Year's resolutions? Because generally speaking, New Year's resolutions tend to be fairly negative. It's all about giving up donuts or giving up smoking and all that kind of stuff. Whereas goal setting and purposeful planning, I see as being a completely different thing. It's positive and I love that. And I know it works because it's worked for me. And I'm sure if it can work for me, it can work for many others as well. Now, let me just challenge you. I don't know where you're at in life. I don't know where you're at in your property journey. And there's probably other things that you want to perhaps, I don't know, make better in your life. I don't know where you're at. But the challenge is that if we don't do something positive like plan for it to all change, guess what's going to happen? Nothing is going to change. It's that old thing, isn't it, about if you want different results, then you have to do different things. And I think this is one of the reasons why I love this time of the year, that it's the time of the year when we tend to focus on thinking about the changes that are going to make the difference. Of course, we don't have to just do this at the beginning of the year. And I will explain as we go through, there's actually a case for reviewing and tweaking and making sure we're on the right track whatever time of year we're doing this. And so whenever you listen to this podcast, don't think, well, this is a sort of New Year special. It doesn't have to be. We can do this at any time of the year, and we probably should be. What we need to embrace, though, is making the event. Make the event. Don't wait for the event. I don't know who said that, but it's just so true. that In life and in property, that is what we need to be doing. So without further ado, let's think about where we're going with this. Let's think about the things that we need to be doing. So in this podcast, I'm going to take you through a five-step process. And that five-step process, if you use it properly, will help you to plan your property success. Big claim. Love to hear in a year's time whether you use the process and how it helped you. 
But before we even get into that, though, and I know that this is a sort of a continual theme of the Progressive Property Podcast now that I'm the host, but it's so true, all of this will depend upon your mindset. We can give you the technical knowledge, we can tell you how to do property stuff, I can tell you how to plan your success, but actually if your mindset isn't right, guess what? It's not going to work. So what's the mindset? Let's just have a very quick recap on some of the things which I think are important for your mindset before we get into the nitty gritty. Well, first of all, there's belief, absolutely, totally belief. As I get older and as I get more experienced and as I enjoy more success personally and as I, as I mix with more successful people, I have come to realise more and more and it's been emphasised to me and my belief in this has been confirmed more and more that the only difference between success and failure is usually in the belief of the person who's successful or the person who isn't successful. Successful people generally speaking, have an unshakable mindset and they believe that they can do what they set their mind to do. It's sometimes said that the person with the most confidence wins and successful people are confident that they can win even if they aren't entirely sure how they're going to do it. Now, I know I've said it before on this podcast, but one of the reasons why I jumped at being part of the progressive community back in 2013 was because I knew that my mindset needed to change. I knew that I had to do a lot of work on my inner self if I was going to be truly successful. And I was doing okay. I came to Progressive with 60-odd properties. I'd been in property all my life. I'm a qualified chartered surveyor. But part of my problem was that for 20 years of my career, I'd been in a corporate structure, and I'd taken on board corporate thinking. Now, when I came to Progressive, I had started the process of mending myself, but I could see that being part of Progressive was going to very much accelerate the healing process, for want of a better word. Probably sounds a little bit overdramatic, but in a sense, that's the, the journey which I'm on, healing myself of the corporate thinking. And not just the corporate thinking, when I was ejected from the corporate world when I was made redundant, I then went off and I worked for about 15 years on my own and I built up some bad habits, if I'm going to be honest with you. So I knew that what I had to do was embrace the whole progressive culture, and my way of doing that was to jump in at VIP. As I say, some people sometimes ask, well, why did you join VIP, which is a 12-month mentoring program run by Progressive, if I already had 60-odd properties? Because I knew that I needed to heal my mindset. I knew that I had to take on board exactly what I'm saying to you now and look at my belief make sure that uh, my mindset was going the right way. And by the way, another great reason for getting involved was because it's one of the few places where I know of where you can constantly update your knowledge about what's happening in property. If anybody ever tells you that they know everything that there is to know about property, then that person is deluded in my opinion. I've been in property for over 35 years now. I would never say that I know it all because I don't. Things are always changing. The market's always changing. Legalities are always changing. The regulations are always changing. Tax, well, that changes, doesn't it? We've seen big tax changes recently. And the way that we do things and the way that we adapt to those other changes are also always changing. So there's always something new to learn. And that's why I love being here. So 
Think about your mindset. What's your belief like? Do you really believe you can do this? Do you really believe you, you can succeed in property? Because to be honest with you, if you don't really believe that you can succeed in property, it doesn't matter how much planning you do, it doesn't matter whether you follow my five-step process, nothing good is gonna happen. What else do we need for mindset? Well, another thing which I've noticed in, over the years of mixing with successful people and studying successful people is successful people are persistent. And persistence is probably the next best asset to keep us going no matter what happens and no matter how many times we fail. Some failure is going to be inevitable, by the way. There will be bumps in the road. But if we keep on despite the bumps in the road, then success will become inevitable. I have the great privilege of being one of the trainers on Masterclass here, the four-day event, which is the foundational course in property. And one of the things which I'll always say, because I usually do the, the nine o'clock introduction, is that persistence is absolutely key. And that if you're in property long enough, you will be successful. To be honest, I don't see how it can be any other way. If you just keep on going, and if you do property long enough, because of the nature of property investing, you will be successful. But you need to develop persistence. It's a bit like developing muscles. And believe it or not, when you meet me, you may not believe this, but I do go to the gym as often as I can. And I know what that's like. And I know what it's like to try and develop muscles. And you start off on small weights and you work up to bigger weights. And you do it regularly. If you just do it as a one-off, nothing's going to happen. So you need to practice persistence. It's exactly like that. Now, a big motivator for practicing persistence can be by developing your compelling reasons to achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. You need to have big reasons why you want to achieve. So in this context, why do you want to achieve in property? You need to know that. It would be very useful to know that. So take some time, perhaps even before we start getting into the process, of just reflecting on what it is you actually want to achieve. Over the next 12 months, why do you want to achieve what you want to achieve? And what is it you actually want to achieve? What is the outcome? What are the reasons behind that? And it's not always the most obvious reason. If you said to me, well, Peter, I want my achievement is I want to put together a portfolio of 10 properties. Great. But why do you want to put together a portfolio of 10 properties? Because owning properties in itself is probably not the reason. The reason probably is you want to generate income or you want to generate capital or maybe taking it to an even deeper level. You want to generate income because you want to be financially free. Maybe you want to generate income because you want to sack your boss. There's going to be a compelling reason. Maybe you want to help your children. Maybe you've got aged parents and you want to help support them. There's going to be a reason why you want to achieve what you want to achieve. And if you can identify that and use that as your motivation, that will help you to stay persistent. So one thing I would suggest that you take into the new year, and not just in the new year, but all the way through the new year, is developing your mindset every day. So that could be through listening to motivational material. It could be hanging around with motivated and successful people, like the people you're going to meet at the progressive community, for example. It could be by having a mentor, maybe on the VIP, or finding a mentor outside. I don't know. Finding somebody who you can meet up with and talk about success with. Maybe developing a mastermind group with some of your peers so that you can get together once a week or once a month or once a quarter and just share ideas and inspire each other. All of that is good stuff and it's going to help your mindset. 
So with that over, let me get off my soapbox now. I think you understand that I believe that mindset is really important and it's the foundations, it's the track upon which all success, run, success runs. Let's move on. Let's think about the five-step system, which I referred to earlier, which is going to help you to plan a successful year in property. So the five-step process, as I say, if you haven't started making notes yet, you might want to now grab your piece of paper, grab a pen. Here we go. Here are the five steps. I'm going to quickly tell you what they are and then we'll look at them in a lot more detail over the course of this podcast. So step number one is decide what you really want. Step number two is to set goals to achieve what you really want. Step number three is to make a plan to achieve those goals. Step number four is to take vigorous and persistent action on the plan. And then step number five is to regularly review progress and tweak the plan as necessary. Now, if you've written those down, quickly reread them. And it might strike you that what I've just said is actually quite simple. It's very simple in concept, and I make no apology for that. You may even say, well, it's quite obvious. But again, I make no apology for that, because the one thing which I do know is that if you follow this system, it's very, very powerful. And if you follow it properly, it can help you to achieve far more, probably, than you realise that you can achieve at the moment. Now, the bad news is, because it is simple in concept, and perhaps because it does seem obvious, or some people may consider it looks a little obvious in process, the sad thing is that some people will not follow this system properly, even if they try to follow it at all. So I would urge you to overcome your disbelief or your cynicism and embrace it and to give it a good go. Just try it for the next 12 months and see what happens. I can almost guarantee that if you do what I'm going to tell you what you should do over the next 30 minutes or so, you will be delighted at the results. So let's have a look at each of the steps in more detail. So step number one is deciding on what we really want. Now, this is a good example of obvious because this is where so many people get it wrong, deciding what they really want. Because at the back of our mind, we're thinking, well, that is obvious, isn't it? Don't we all know what we really want? Well, as I say, at a superficial level, yes, maybe we do. But unfortunately for a lot of us, that's kind of where the thinking stops. Now, I've mentored and coached property investors one-on-one -on -one outside of Progressive for many years. And by the way, before you email me, it's not something I do any longer. But what I used to find was I'd commonly meet people who were very earnest and genuine in their desire to succeed in property, but they hadn't really thought through what that success meant for them. In other words, they hadn't really thought about and identified what they really wanted and how property was going to provide it for them. Often they'd have vague ideas about making some money or owning a few properties or building a nest egg as a pension or generating a bit of income. And don't get me wrong, all those are worthy wishes, but it's all very non-specific, especially if we're going to try and translate them into goals, particularly tangible goals which we can achieve and more specifically property goals. And we'll think about how to do that a little bit later. Now, I do have some sympathy because sometimes their wants are a little bit vague, 
purely because they weren't entirely sure what property can actually do for them, especially if they're relatively new to property. I understand the problem with that. It's quite hard to set goals in a vacuum, isn't it? If you're not entirely sure what's open to you and what's available to you. No doubt they knew that property was a good thing. They knew that getting into property was going to be a good thing because their friends had told them. Or maybe the headlines in the newspaper said that prices were going to go up. Or maybe because they'd watched a TV programme where somebody had made some money from doing up a property. But when I... If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. them on it, they weren't exactly sure what they were going to achieve. They just thought they should give it a go. Now, interestingly, I meet many people who get into property without fully knowing what it is that they want to achieve. And the result is often that they drift. The result is often that they'll kind of give up a bit early, which is a shame because if they carried on for the reasons that I said earlier, they would be successful. So determining and deciding what it is you want to achieve is an absolutely crucial starting point. And that's why I'm always surprised at how many people actually gloss over this and not actually do it in detail. The trouble is that if you have nothing specific to aim for or nothing specific to achieve, the inevitable result is that you're going to achieve far less than if you had something specific to aim for. So take the time to actually go through the process of understanding not only what you want, but why you want it. And assuming that you've done that, we can move on to step number two. So step number two is to set goals to achieve what we really want. Now, as I said earlier, the whole process of goal setting can be problematic, especially for property investors. Even if we form precise financial goals which we want to achieve, articulating our financial goals as property goals can be quite difficult and this can be quite a stumbling block for many property investors. And this is especially true if we're starting with limited experience in property and aren't sure how much money we can expect to make from a specific property, for example, or how much money we can make from a particular type of property, or how much we can make by following a specific strategy or a technique. And I quite often see this when I see property investors writing their goals like my goal is to own 10 properties by the end of the year, which on the face of it is a very worthy goal to write. But when you think about it, it could mean anything, couldn't it? Does that mean 10 HMOs or does it mean 10 single lets? Does it mean, I don't know, 10 service department blocks, each with 10 units in? 
Does it mean 10 properties all mortgaged to the hilt or does it mean 10 properties which are all unencumbered? Does it mean 10 properties all let to professional tenants or 10 properties with tenants who are on LHA? It could mean absolutely anything. And that's where I think goal setting is quite tricky for property investors because at the end of the day, we don't know what we don't know. So if we don't know what we can actually achieve from property, or if we're not too sure what the outcome of our property investing is gonna be, it's quite hard to set property-specific goals around that. Now, by the way, what I should say is, just because I'm talking about goal setting, please don't switch off. I know that goal setting can be a bit old hat, but it is absolutely fundamental to our success. And I'd be prepared to bet that at least 95% of successful people, but it's probably 99% of successful people, have got to where they are by goal setting. Whether they have a recognised formal system of goal setting or whether they've just done it instinctively. So if it works for them, then there's going to be a great chance that it's also going to work for us. And I'm also happy to admit that I'm not entirely sure why goal setting actually works anyway. I'm, I can't say that I'm an expert on the psychology behind it. But one thing I do know is that when I set a goal, 99 times out of 100, I achieve it. And I'm sure that that can be true for you as well. If you've ever set goals, I'm sure you've achieved them. So why wouldn't you set goals? The paradox is, and the converse is, when I don't set goals, I tend to achieve less. So there's obviously a very simple correlation. And I think most of us understand that. And I think most of us would agree with that. But I know that even if we do understand and agree, probably not all of us are actually setting goals. And if we are setting goals, we're probably only setting limited goals or only giving lip service to the whole goal setting process. And then we wonder why things don't actually happen in the way that we want them to happen and why things don't work out spectacularly as we want them to. So whether we think goal setting is old hat or not, it is one of the foundational activities and disciplines undertaken by most, if not all, highly successful people, including highly successful property investors. So if it follows that if we want to be successful, we should do the same, then we need to take this seriously. Now, if we are convinced that we're going to set goals, then we need to set goals, and hopefully we are, we need to make sure that we don't set any old goals. We don't want wishy-washy goals. We don't want the vague goals, which I referred to earlier. So here are six things that we need to think about when we're setting our goals, and um, which will supercharge our chances of success. So in other words, we're still in step two of the process, but step two of the process has what we could call six little subsets, which I'm going to quickly run through now. So number one, our goals need to be in writing. Goal setting is a written activity. Why? Because unless our goals are captured on paper, they're merely going to be wishes. They're going to be nothing more than wishful thinking. So if I was to come round and challenge you, if I was to knock on your door and find you in and challenge you, would I find that you've got written goals or are you just carrying them around in your head? If they're just being carried around in your head, they're not really goals. That's just wishful thinking. There's something about goal setting, and I, as I say, I don't fully understand the psychology of it, but there's something about goal setting where if you write the goal down, the dynamic of just writing the goal kind of makes it real. And studies have shown that your 
50% more likely to achieve a goal if you just write it down. Even if you just write it down once and then stick the piece of paper in a drawer, you're much more likely to achieve the goal. It's crazy, isn't it? I know that this has happened to me, that I've found lists of goals that I've made in the past, and I've sat there sort of ticking through them, thinking, oh, this is amazing, I can't even remember writing this list out, but I've actually achieved everything on this piece of paper. There's a power to it. So make sure that you're writing your goals down. Even better is to write it down and then to declare it publicly. And today it's easy to do that, isn't it? We can proclaim our goal to an immense audience using something like social media, for example. Now, I've heard in the past that some experts have said that we shouldn't be too open with our goals in case negative people try and steal our dreams and come back and tell us that we can't achieve the goals. But I think it all depends on where you share them and who you share them with. The received wisdom now is that declaring goals publicly is going to increase the motivation for you to achieve them and not to lose face. But also, if you're sharing, for example, in the progressive community, hopefully you're going to be encouraged and inspired and people are going to support you and cheer you on. Somebody who came on Masterclass uh, a little while back has gone onto the progressive community and has publicly stated their goals. And every month they give an update as to how they're doing. And there's loads of posts and comments encouraging them and inspiring them. And maybe we'll get that person onto the podcast in a few months' time to find out how they're doing with their goal setting. But I think that's a great idea. Now, I guess that some people are probably going to respond maybe better to a combination of the carrot and the stick. So the carrot could be encouragement and inspiration. The stick would be perhaps people saying, well, you know, you're not doing well enough. How are you getting on? You should be doing better. Whatever works for you, just think about what's going to work for you. The key thing is make sure that the goals are written and if you can, share them. And it may be as simple as just sharing with your significant other. If your significant other is interested in what you're up to or understands your dream, the danger is if your significant other actually doesn't agree with what you're up to, of course, or doesn't share your dream. But that aside, assuming that they do, maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe you don't have to go as public as sticking it all over Facebook. You do whatever's right for you. So number two of the six little subsets which we're looking at in the second step of our five-step process is your goals should be big enough to make a difference. Now, let's face it, many of us prefer to play it safe and not to stick our necks out. But guess what? If we set mediocre goals, we're probably just going to have a mediocre outcome, aren't we? If we set mediocre goals, then logic suggests we're probably just going to end up with a, a fairly mediocre life. And who wants that? So if we're going to set goals, we may as well set big ones. And... It's one of those strange things, but often you'll find that it takes very little more effort, energy and planning to achieve a big goal than it does to actually achieve a small one. So come on, what I want you to do is to set life-changing goals, life-changing goals that are going to make a difference, a big difference, so that this year becomes the year when your life completely changed. Because the challenge is, if your goals aren't going to make much of a difference, then what's the point in actually setting them? If we want our best year ever, if we want our best year ever in property, then let's set big goals to make it our best year ever. You can spend your time working on average mediocre goals or you can spend your time working on extraordinary goals. The choice is yours, but I know what I'd rather do. And talking of choice, 
The choice of goal that you make will undoubtedly come down to mindset, which is what we thought about earlier. And that's going to come down to belief, isn't it? So start believing that you can achieve something bigger and that you really can change your life. What you decide to work on is everything. It's either going to be big enough to make a difference or it's not. So you may as well just go for it. So sharpen your pencil and start thinking about some big goals. Step number three of step number two, if that makes sense, is focus on a few meaningful goals rather than setting multiple goals. Well, why should we focus on a small number of goals? Well, basically because we all have limited time. We all have limited resources. We all have limited energy. So we don't want to spread ourselves too thin and risk not achieving any of our goals. So set a limited number of goals. Now, you can always add to them over the year, and as you achieve a goal, you can tick it off and replace it. But start by just setting a few meaningful goals. The other thing it helps to get around, of course, is overwhelm. If you have a list of 100 goals in front of you, you look at that and you think, oh my word, where am I going to start? Can I do this in a year? Can I actually do, have I got time for all of this? So we need to manage ourselves as well, of course. So a limited number of goals is going to help you with that. Now, when you set your goals, try and then reorder them in order of priority. Look at your goals and work out which one is going to produce the greatest benefit or Put another way, it's going to change your life the most. Make that the number one goal. And then you can devote most of your time and energy to the top one or the top two or three, the goals that are really going to change your life. Now, don't forget that I'm actually talking about this in the context of setting your property goals. But of course, you may want to set goals in every area of your life, not just one area of your life, and that's fine. I'd suggest that you look at each area of your life, and that could be, I don't know, physical, it could be relationships, it could be family, it could be vocation, it could be money. You think about what it is you want to set goals, the areas you want to set your goals in, and then look at each of all of your goals in each of those areas, and maybe choose the top goal, the priority goal in each of your area, and concentrate on those. How you do it, it doesn't really matter. It's got to be whatever's right for you. Of course, if we had limitless time, energy and resources, we could devote ourselves to all of those goals. But I know that if you're like me, that's not going to be the case. So it's worth just picking through and cherry picking and looking at the goals that are going to make the biggest difference. Now, one of the things which I think is really fascinating is the whole 80-20 concept. If you haven't read about the 80-20 concept, then it's worth going onto Amazon and grabbing a few books on it. But basically, Pareto was an Italian economist back in the 19th century, and he noticed that 80% of the wealth in Italy was controlled by 20% of the people. And he realized afterwards that there was a correlation in many, many things in life which works the same way. And it's probable that 20% of your goals are probably going to bring you 80% of the change in your life. That's why it's worth going through your goal list very carefully, very specifically, and looking for the goals that are going to make the difference and then concentrating on them. You may only need to achieve a few goals in order to change your life profoundly because the 20% of your goals may give you 80% of the change. It may It's not always 80-20, by the way. It may be something like 5% of your goals are going to give you 100% of the change. I don't know, but quite often it works that way. So have a look through and see what's on your goal list, and then pick the ones which are going to make the difference.
Step number four of our six steps within step number two, if that makes sense, is set goals that stretch your comfort zone and which make you feel uncomfortable. Again, this is a bit like a challenge to set big goals. If your goals aren't so big that they're scary, or if they aren't so big that they make you feel very uncomfortable, in other words, move you out of your comfort zone, then they probably aren't big enough. Because here's the thing, if you stay within your comfort zone, you're just going to end up doing the same old thing again, aren't you? And you're going to end up having the same old results. Next year, this year, isn't going to look any different from last year or the year before. So that's the challenge. Make sure that you stretch yourself. Make sure that your goals make you feel scared and uncomfortable. Setting big, scary, uncomfortable goals makes sure that you're going to do things differently. And it'll make sure and ensure that you get different results. And that's what we want ultimately, isn't it? We want different results because we're trying to create life-changing results. Number five is we need to set goals which force us to grow. And that growth means both technically and as a person. Now, one of the things which I've always believed in is continuous growth. And I mean that in terms of my technical knowledge and I also mean it in terms of my mindset. In other words, as a person. Because the more you grow, the more you'll be able to achieve. And the easier you'll find it to overcome bigger problems, which is a key part of succeeding. And it means that you'll get better results. It's just a great thing to happen. It creates a positive feedback loop. And as you become more accomplished and as you get used to accomplishing more, you'll find that you're feeding your self-belief. Remember, I talked about the importance of belief earlier. And you'll have a sort of virtuous circle of getting better at what you're doing and doing bigger and better things and then getting bigger and better results and increasing your self-belief further. And then it loops around again and then you'll do even more amazing things. You'll become unstoppable and, of course, very, very successful. So thinking of this in a property context, what do you need to do to be successful in property investing? And how good at it are you? How much do you need to improve in that particular area of property investing? And how do you plan to improve? So for example, let's say that a simple investing process is to find properties, to then finance them, and to then let and manage them. I mean, obviously in practice, there's a lot more to successful property investing in this, and each of these steps can be broken down into numerous sub-steps. But let's just keep this illustration simple for now and we'll leave the detail for another day. I just want to give you a flavour of what I'm trying to get at. So how good are you at finding property? How good are you at raising finance? How much do you know about finance and the different options available to you? How good are you at letting and managing property? How much do you know about the technical and legal aspects of letting and managing property? If I was to be brutal with you and to make you sort of write down on your piece of paper a score out of 10, how would you rate yourself in each of the, these areas? Do you consider yourself, for example, to be a 5 or a 6 out of 10? In which case, the question has to be, how can you improve to become a 9 or even a 10 out of 10 in all of these areas? Now, you need to be planning to actually improve and working towards becoming a 10 out of 10 in each of the activities that you want to undertake. So have a look at the goals that you're setting Think about the activities that they imply that, or suggest that you should be undertaking 
and then question yourself as to how good you are at actually undertaking those. And if you don't feel that you're good enough, then the challenge should be to improve. And that probably means setting a goal around it. And then number six, last little bit of this little subsection about goal setting, is recognizing that achieving your goals isn't a solo activity. So moving on from the last point, here's another proviso. All this talk about belief, goals and growth can seem a little bit daunting if we see success as being all down to us and all being down to our efforts. Now, of course, it is up to us to orchestrate our success, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to do it all on our own. So it might be totally appropriate that you do work towards becoming a 10 out of 10 in some of your activities, but you may equally feel that it's a better use of your time to engage the help or services of somebody else who's already a 10 out of 10 and to use their experience and expertise to cover your lack of knowledge and experience. That's absolutely fine as well. That's called leveraging or outsourcing. And it's one of the key ways that you'll be able to grow your business. And of course, if you haven't read Rob's book, Life Leverage, do so because he talks about this in great detail. One of the real secrets to success is to not to try and do it all on your own. Instead, you need to build, we need to build a team to take the donkey work from us so that we can concentrate on doing the important stuff at a strategic level. After all, as I say, we've all got limited time and to an extent, time is the only asset which we can really control. So we want to use it as effectively and as efficiently as possible. So have a look at your goals, work out how you're going to achieve them. And if you need to, then think about who you can bring on board to help you to achieve them. No shame in that, by the way. It's the smart thing to do. This is something which I've woken up to relatively late in life. Now, I've done okay by battling through doing it all on my own. But looking back now, I can see for that 15 years where I worked on my own, if I'd actually been working with somebody else or if I'd just engaged people's services along the way, maybe not even having a formal partnership, but just drawing upon people's experiences and skill sets when I need them along the way, I could have probably been even much further forward than I am now. So it's well worth thinking about it, well worth. So that is step two of the process, which is all around goal setting. And I hope you found those six little sub-steps helpful. Goal setting is so important and it will make a massive difference to your life. I have my goals stuck up on a piece of paper on my office wall and I can see them every day. And you may consider perhaps having, for example, a vision board where you can get a graphical pictorial representation of your goals and stick that up somewhere where you're going to see it every day. Goal setting really does work. So well worth taking the time to go through the process and to do it properly. So that's the first two steps of my five step system. Let's carry on with the five step system and look at the next three steps, which are making a plan, taking action, and reviewing progress. And we'll go and look at these in more detail now. So let's have a look at number three. Step number three is to make a plan that will allow us to achieve our goals. Now, making a plan and prior planning, again, might sound like an obvious step, but it's surprising how many investors just jump straight in and start buying property without clearly thinking it through and without formulating even a basic plan. Very often, 
And, and I know this might sound crazy, but I've met so many people who do it. And by the way, if you've done this, I'm not being critical at all. I've really admired the fact that you've taken action because that sets you above most people who don't take action. But I've met so many property investors who've got into property almost as if they've been thinking any old property will do. So it's not really surprising that many of those who I meet at a later date often regret their first purchases. Now, it's true that property is very tolerant and very often it's not going to be a terminal mistake to buy a property. But of course, if you don't buy the right property at the, in the first instance or if your first few properties aren't bought in the right way, that can in time have a serious impact on the overall return from your portfolio. And it can greatly increase the amount of time that it takes an investor to achieve their goals because compounded over time, their diminished returns from not having bought the right properties in the first place can obviously sort of have a dragging effect on their success. And at a more basic level, it can also produce sleepless nights and unnecessary stress. Because even a cheap property is relatively expensive. So before we start spending our money, we really do owe it to ourselves to carefully plan so that any money we do spend is spent efficiently and effectively and spent on the right property. The right sort of property, by the way, which fits our strategy. Now, I understand that being confronted with a blank piece of paper, or perhaps nowadays more likely a blank Word document or a blank tablet, can be very daunting when we sit down to make our plan. And if we don't know what we don't know, that can make it even harder. So where do we start, particularly if we're thinking about planning property? There are so many different ways that we can use property and so many different types of property and so many different locations in which we can invest and so many different strategies and techniques for investing in property that I can realise there could be a little bit of overwhelm and I can't really cover all of that here. So I can only sort of give some very sort of general ideas as to how we make our plan. The trouble is that there's no one size fits all when it comes to property investing. And the reality is that every plan will need to be individually drafted and tailored for each individual investor's aspirations. And not just their aspirations, but also their skill level, their preferred strategy and location, and of course not forgetting their financial situation, of course, because we're all going to be starting in a different place. Some of us will be starting with money, some of us will be starting without money, some of us may be starting in debt. Some of us may have JV partners already lined up. Some of us may be nervous about the idea of approaching JV partners, for example. So we're all starting in a different place. But one of the most common problems that I see, and I see this being made by experienced investors as well as new investors, is not being able to express financial goals as property goals. Because if we're able to do that, then it'll make the whole planning process that much more easy. So have a think about what it is that you're trying to achieve through property and then try and express that financially and then depending upon the strategy that you want to undertake, then look at it in terms of property. So for example, if I wanted to set the goal to sack my boss, if I wanted to set the goal to use property to replace my income. How would I do that? Well, if I was going through this process with that goal in mind, I would think about the right strategy for a start. I'd think, am I going to do this by building a portfolio? 
or am I going to find some other strategy? Now, it can be a little bit counterintuitive. Many of us would probably think that the best way to sack our boss is to put together a portfolio of properties and to live off the passive income. When we've got enough properties and the income is high enough, then we can sack our boss. But the reality is that, that could take several years, depending upon how much money you're starting with, depending upon what type of property you want to buy, depending upon where you're buying, depending upon how comfortable you feel about approaching JV partners, for example. It's not necessarily going to be a quick and easy process. So what I would probably do is I'd probably set the goal of perhaps doing a couple of flips. Now, where I live, just outside Nottingham, I know I could probably go into Nottingham, for example. I could relatively easily buy a property for, I don't know, a little over £100,000. And if it was the right property and I bought it in the right way, I could probably then flip it on and make forty or £50,000 relatively easily. Now, I say relatively easily. I'm not saying that I'd, ne I'd necessarily be able to go into the estate agents and find that property tomorrow, although I probably could. But even if I could only do two in a year, that would probably get me free of my boss. So I might set the goal, might set the target of finding two flips. Now, I wouldn't just do that. At Progressive, we talk about 70-20-10. We talk about having three strategies, one principal strategy and two other strategies, a secondary and a tertiary strategy. I'd probably have building my portfolio as the secondary strategy. And I'd undoubtedly, yes, I'd be looking for properties to start accumulating my portfolio, and I'd do that as well. And so I would make a plan which would allow me to do that. Now, the difficulty that we can have, and I've seen this, is that the plan, if we're not careful, can become all-consuming. The plan can actually become more important than the activity itself. And there are particular personality types who may find that they get a little bit bogged down in this. If you're prone to detail, which, by the way, in the right context is a great thing, just make sure that you don't get bogged down in this to the point where the plan becomes all-consuming and all you're doing is doing the planning and not actually doing the activity. We're going to think about the activity next, by the way. So what I suggest is try and keep it simple. Now, I love using spreadsheets and stuff, and if you can get, you know, predict your cash flow and all that kind of stuff on a spreadsheet, fantastic. But having a simple bullet point plan will be just as good as well. You just need something that you can refer to to make sure that you keep on track. The plan is not the end. The plan is the means to the end. So never lose sight of that. So your plan might be as simple as this. It might be bullet pointed along the lines of 30 minutes a day, go on right move. Five minutes a day, ring the estate agents and make appointments. Saturday morning, view 15 properties. Monday afternoon, offer on five properties. It could be something as simple as that. It doesn't necessarily have to be complicated. But if you can put something in writing like that and use that as the track to keep you on track, you'll find it so much more helpful than just drifting through, hoping it's all going to work out. Step number four of my five-step system is to take action on the plan, preferably vigorous and persistent action. Why vigorous? Well, vigorous because if we're targeting big goals, and I hope you are, and big changes in our lives, then we need a level of action which is commensurate with that, don't we? And why persistent? Well, because the biggest problem is, despite our good intentions, all of this can fizzle out to nothing frighteningly quickly. 
especially if we lack belief or get distracted or if we get too busy in other areas of our lives. And that's why I said right at the very beginning that ideally we should identify the reason why we want to succeed and why we want to make sure that this is going to be our best year ever or our best year in property ever. Because if we know the reasons why we need to succeed, and need is better than want, by the way, if we know the reason why we need to succeed, then we're going to keep motivated, particularly if we keep reminding ourselves as to why we need to succeed. It will keep us motivated, it will keep us on track, no matter how tough the going gets. And let's face it, it'd be very naive to assume that everything's going to be plain sailing. It isn't. I'd never promise that. There's always going to be bumps in the road. I always say property is simple in concept, but it's not necessarily easy. It's not easy because we've actually got to go out and do something. And sometimes the doing can be a little bit tricky. And of course, having a proper plan is going to help with this as well. Because if we need to pick ourselves up and if we're wondering how we're doing, and if we're wondering, oh, I don't know what to do next, well, you shouldn't be thinking that because you can refer back to your plan and you can make sure that you're doing the things that you know you should be doing because you've identified the steps and the actions that you need to take in order to achieve those goals. That's why it's so important. And don't forget, I'm talking about achieving big goals and I'm talking about achieving big results in your life. And I'm talking about taking vigorous and persistent action. But you have to do, you need to do what you can do. And sometimes, actually, the converse is also true, that small actions undertaken consistently make all the difference. Small actions undertaken every day can actually make more of a difference in your life and can achieve far more than occasional big actions or big actions undertaken irregularly. Again, the gym analogy is really good. If you want to get fit, you need to go to the gym every day. And even if you only work out for, I don't know, half an hour a day, if you do it every day for a year, if you do it every day for two years, if you do it every day for five years, you're going to see massive difference in your muscle tone, in, I don't know, your body weight index and all that kind of stuff, your body mass index by the end of the five years, rather than saving it all up and going to the gym once a month and, you know, working out like a mad thing and, and breaking your body. It's the same in property. Small things done consistently over a prolonged period of time can be the key to success. That's why you need to have your vigorous action. Keep your energy level so you make sure that you do something every day. So step number five of the process. Step number five is to review your progress and to tweak as necessary. So going off track is going to be inevitable. From time to time, you're going to go off track. From time to time, life's going to break in. Life is going to happen to all of us. There's many distractions. And actually, there's so many different opportunities we can pursue once we recognize them we're probably going to get tempted off track chasing new opportunities, which can be a danger as well. So take the time to review your progress and then tweak your actions as necessary. Now, it doesn't really matter when you do this. It might be as simple as doing this, I don't know, once a week. Sunday evenings are great. Get your plan out, get your goal list out and review where you're at. What have you done? What do you need to do? What do you need to do over the next week? What do you need to do over the next month? And maybe take your plan and make a, a sub plan. Make a simple plan for the next week, just outlining day by day 
what you need to do on any particular day or what you can do on any particular day. It could be as simple as that. That will make a massive difference to your success and your chances of success, by the way. Constantly review your goals. As I said earlier, when you achieve a goal, tick it off, replace it with another one. But constantly review your goals. Make sure that they're still relevant to you. Make sure that you're still on track to achieve them. Now, if you can, then I'd look at your goal list every day. Some people say you should read it every day. Read your goal list every morning and before you go to bed. If you can't do that, then at least try and read them every day. If you can't read them every day, read them every week. I wouldn't leave it any longer than that. You need to be constantly reminded about what you're trying to achieve and also review regularly why you want to achieve what you want to achieve. Keep all of that stuff front of mind. Keep you motivated. And if you do that, I reckon it's going to be a fantastic year for you and I'd love to hear how you get on. So please, take the process, lock yourself away somewhere where you're not going to be disturbed for a few hours. Go through the process of planning exactly what you're going to be doing over the next year and what you're going to achieve. Make the plan and then take action on it. And I promise you, if you do that, simple though it sounds, it will make a massive difference to your property investing life or any other area of your life that you plan. So this has been the Progressive Property Podcast and I've been Peter Jones. If you want to know more about me, then you can come and visit me at my website, which is thepropertyteacher.co.uk, all one word, thepropertyteacher.co.uk. Great to see you there. Come and see my blog. Got some resources there as well, which you might be interested in. Otherwise, if I see you around at Progressive HQ, do say hello. Always great to meet people who've been listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please leave a review. Be really grateful for that as well. And if you have any ideas about any subjects that you'd like covered by the podcast, get in touch through the Progressive community, through the Facebook group, or message me on Messenger. And if it looks like a subject which will help everybody, then I may do it as a podcast. In the meantime, let's all have a fantastic year together. And in 12 months time, we'll compare notes. I'd love to hear how you get on. Here's to successful property investments.